uh, gives us, uh, brings us to today's message on mercy. Remember last week I spoke on compassion? Well, it just so happens that mercy and compassion are in the same word group in the biblical Greek texts and meanings. So let's begin. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for your anointing upon the preaching of your word. God, I pray for our ears and our hearts to be open to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So the first scripture we want to look at this morning is Hebrews chapter 14, or chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And it's talking about Jesus being the high priest. His pass through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold. This is talking about our faith. We put our faith and trust in Jesus and His merits. We understand if we've been born again that it's not our own efforts that saves us. It's simply putting our faith and trust in that what Jesus did on the cross is more than enough to make us good enough to enter into the kingdom of heaven. goes on to say that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. I wish they would word it a little bit differently. We should, I would like to see it. We do have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows everything about us and he still loves us. Hallelujah. Amen. And that good news, he still loves us. Though he is great, he is not aloof. God is not far away and distant. The Bible says he is very near. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hallelujah. No other letter, and it goes on to say that he was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. So the commentary I was reading said that there is no other letter or a chapter or, or a text in the New Testament and the Old Testament that emphasizes so much Jesus' sinlessness. He was in the world and the world knew him not. Sin never tainted Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. He never was affected by sin except when he was on the cross when he took the sin and paid the price for it so that it could be purged from us. Amen. What a good Savior we have. Hallelujah. No other letter. His sinfulness or not sinfulness, his sinlessness. He was harmless, the Bible says. Harmless. Isn't that a, anybody ever meet anyone who's totally harmless? They never, never offend you in any way? That's how Jesus is. He's totally harmless, totally inoffensive, never insults us. Hallelujah. I was <clears throat> watching a video uh, uh, on uh, scrolling through Facebook and this, um, I forget his name, but this minister, he says, you know, uh, people tell me, I never hear you say a bad word about anybody. And he says, well, yeah, because I understand that mankind is made in the image and likeness of God. So I don't want to insult God by insulting somebody else. And uh, I thought, man, that's really a high and lofty goal because uh, just this morning driving to, work, to church and some, 
driver gets like this close to my vehicle. And I felt like, stop stepping on the brake. But I thought, this truck's a little bit bigger than my car, so. And then, boom, he passes me. And next thing you know, there's a semi and another car in front of me and another car in front of me. And next thing you know, this car gets real close to the car in front. And there's just enough room to get in front of the semi. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And inside, I'm thinking, what an idiot. That was that was dumb. God, why are people so stupid? <laughs> but God, just don't say that about people. <laughs> Try not to think that about people. Okay, God. Just just want to know why, God. That's how they are. <laughs> Praise God. But he is able because he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Let us therefore, or then, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right here, this is very interesting. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne. One, the old King James says, with boldness, let us draw near to the throne. This according to Matthew's Henry's commentary, is a kindly invitation. We're not forced. It's not like you get arrested and, and God gets you in a headlock. All right, come here, you. No, no, no. It's a kindly invitation. And it's a throne. It's not a tribunal. God could have set up a court and said, okay, that's it. You're guilty. It's over. But no, he set up a throne that we can voluntarily approach. We're not dragged there against our will. Isn't that wonderful news? You can approach God. I forget who sings the song. Anytime, anywhere, any place, you can talk to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we receive mercy similar to forgiveness. We don't get what we deserve. And we get what we don't deserve. We don't deserve mercy. And we don't deserve grace. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. We don't deserve God's favor because of our disobedience and rebellion. But God is good. And God is merciful. And he gives us Mercy and grace. Hallelujah. Grace to help. Listen to uh, in chapter 2, verse 18 of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. It says, He is able to help those who are tempted. The old King James says, He's able to succor. Whatever, it's a fancy word that means He's able to comfort. Amen? Praise God. Listen to what it says in Job chapter 23, verses 3 through 8. Job says, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Anybody ever argue with God? <laughs> Praise God. I would know the words which he would answer me. Anybody ever have a conversation with somebody that wasn't there in your mind? Well, I'm going to say this, and they're going to probably say that. Then I'll say this, and if they say this, then I'll say this. <laughs> and you get this imaginary conversation, and uh, it doesn't really play out that way. And so Job goes on to say, I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. <laughs> oh, sure, right. 
Would he contend with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Well, at least he had some confidence that God is able to deliver, but he had this conversation with God in his mind. So God's going to say this, and I'll say this. <laughs> Praise God. And then one of his friends tells him later on in chapter 33, says these words... In verses 23 through 30, he says, If there is a messenger for this person, or a mediator, one among a thousand, to show man God's uprightness, then God is gracious to him and says, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I found a ransom. Then it goes on to say that he'll be restored. And in verse 26, he shall pray to God, and God will delight in him. And, God, and will see God's face with joy, for he restores man to God's righteousness. To bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. God wants to bless us, amen? God is able and available to help us. Praise God confidence. We're supposed to come boldly. This is the Greek word parisia, which means outspokenness of, uh, or uh, assurance. We're able to come freely. And uh, it's uh, a combination of two words, which I really don't know how to pronounce, but the first part of it means, among other things, every day. And the second part of it means to pour forth speech or to utter. So every day we're supposed to talk to God. Amen? Anybody need mercy? Anybody need grace to help? Come before God every day and talk to Him. So, and listen if He speaks to you. Amen? Praise God. So, we'll go on to our next. So everybody get that? We can come confidently to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, forgiveness, and help, grace to help in time of need. And this phrase uh, actually means in the Greek different seasons. There's going to be seasons in our lives where we're fully aware and so aware of the hand of God. And then, uh, I don't know about you, but for the most part, it's almost like, God, where are you? And it's always a time of need. I always need God's help. It's good to rely on God. And then in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. Anybody remember what happened in Exodus chapter 20? The most famous chapter in the Old Testament? Exodus chapter 20. Anybody know what the Decalogue is? The Ten Commandments were given in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. And this is part of the first commandment that we're to love God above everything else because He shows steadfast love to thousands of those who love God and keep His commandments. And what's His commandment? Love one another. Love God and love one another. I like God making things so simple, don't you? Steadfast love. This is in the old King James mercy to thousands. And in the old King James, there's a, a note that says, well, this could also be translated to the thousandth generation. How many know what a biblical generation is? It's about 40 years. So you can rely on God for about at least 4,000 years worth of mercy. 
That's a lot of years of mercy. Can you say amen? How many minutes? How many days? How many seconds? How many milliseconds? And God's mercy and steadfast love is available all that time. Hallelujah. <laughs> in Deuteronomy chapter 7, 40 years later in verse 9, they, they had been complaining. They'd been wandering in the desert. And uh, it says in verse 6 of chapter 7, you are chosen people. And then in verse 9, 40 years later, God reminds them, know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says these beautiful words. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. The same yesterday, today, and forever. You can rely on Jesus. That's good news. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 18 through 20. The Lord is slow to anger. He doesn't have a short fuse, praise God, because if he did, we'd all be toast, amen? <laughs> That's it. Remember when, when God tells Moses, oh, I've had it. These people complain too much. I'm going to wipe them all out, Moses, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And what does Moses tell him? You know what, God? That's not a good idea. What? He's telling God, God, that's not a good idea. And you know why, God? Because your reputation is at stake. Amen? When we tell people that we're saved, we're born again, and we live for God, God's reputation is at stake. If we mess up, it's like, boy, you call yourself a Christian, huh? Well, blah, 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 blah. God's reputation is at stake. And Moses tells God, he says, God, if you kill all these people, Everyone's going to hear about it, how you brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with all these signs and wonders and miracles, and you just brought them out, to, and you were not able to fulfill your promises. And God says, oh yeah, okay, I won't kill them. Praise God. Numbers chapter 14, 40 years earlier. This is just before they're supposed to go into, they just come out of the land of Egypt. They're supposed to go and take in possession of the, land, the promised land. And the ten spies say, we can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb say, yes, we can because God's on our side. And God says, that's it. All right. And in verse 18 and let's see, where is it? Verse 28 of Numbers chapter 14, God says, you know what? You guys are right. You all are going to die here in the wilderness. And they did over a period of 40 years. None of those people that complained made it into the promised land. Be careful what you tell God. God hears everything. Amen? And God says, okay. Oh, really? Is that what you want? All right. Well, have it your way. This is not Burger King, but have it your way. And God, be careful what you tell God. Repent often, amen? <laughs> Praise God. God says, I'm slow to anger, long-suffering. His mercy is great. Hallelujah. God is good. Let's go on to the next scripture. 
Exodus chapter 34. Here they are again, complaining. Exodus chapter 34. Let me turn there real quick. <clears throat> the covenant renewed. What happened in chapter 34 is Moses is up on the mountain. He's delayed. But they're talking to God for 40 days and 40 nights. And the people say, Moses forgot about us. God forgot about us. Aaron, help us. And Aaron says, okay, bring all your gold and jewelry and we'll make something. And they make a golden calf. They start worshiping it. God gets upset. Moses comes down and uh, breaks the stone tablets. And here in chapter 34, the hilarious thing is, Moses says, Aaron, what happened? Oh, all the people threw their gold in the fire and this calf jumped out. <laughs> okay. And the amazing thing is God still lets Aaron be the high priest after that. That's the grace and mercy of God. Hallelujah. So Moses comes down with the new stone tablets. But before he does that, the covenant's renewed. And God passed before Moses in verse 6. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed. God's announcing his name. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love or mercy and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love and mercy to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but will no means clear the guilty. Praise God. You and I were guilty before God, before we accepted Jesus, before we received salvation. We were guilty before God and worthy of death. Amen? The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And then God makes this pronouncement that this is quite possible what may happen to people if they don't receive his mercy. Hallelujah. Chapter Verse 20 says, God will visit this on people who hate God. There's a lot of people in the world who hate God. There's a, uh, some type of Coptic priest on uh, YouTube, and he's, he's got uh, some fancy headdress and a big white beard, and he's always shaking his finger, and uh, he says, You Muslims, you Jews, you will never have peace in the Middle East until both of you... Acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And that's true. There will never be peace in the Middle East until the Jews and the Muslims acknowledge Jesus as Lord. I believe that's a fact. And what a blessing it would be to people who hate God to turn and know that even though they hate God, God still loves them. That Blow your mind. Well, if someone hates me, I don't really want to have anything to do with them. But God, who is rich in mercy, long-suffering and patient and kind, wants to have something to do with them. Wants people that hate him to turn and love him back. What a gracious God we serve. Amen. First Chronicles 
Chapter 16, verse 34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his steadfast love and mercy endures forever. I like the phrase, <clears throat> there's a word in the, in the Bible called loving kindness, tender mercies. I don't know about you, but there's times that I wish I could feel God say, Come here, son, let me help you. That would be nice to feel God's presence like that all the time, wouldn't it? Hallelujah. In First Chronicles chapter 16, what's happening is the Ark of the Covenant is being brought into Jerusalem. King David has erected a tent in Jerusalem and made a place and they're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant in and is rejoicing because they started out doing it the wrong way and somebody got killed over it. And they left the Ark of the Covenant in the house of Obed-Edom. <laughs> and it says in chapter 16 that the, God blessed the house of Obed-Edom because... <laughs> The presence of God was there in his house. And in chapter 16, verse 38, Obed-Edom is honored by God and King David. It says that 68 of his brethren, his relatives, were appointed as gatekeepers in the tabernacle because God's mercy endures forever. <clears throat> and in verse 34 here, it's quoting Give thank one of the Psalms, and if you're familiar with the Psalms, Psalm 106, verse 1, Psalm 109, verse 1 begins saying, Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 136, there are 26 verses, and every single verse says something about God, and then it says, For his mercy endures forever. 26 times, every, after every single verse, his mercy endures forever. I think he's trying to make a point, amen? That you can count on it. Hallelujah. Even though people hate God, he still loves them. One more scripture this morning. Lamentations, chapter 3. This is the Lamentations or the weeping of Jeremiah the prophet. He says, but this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Isn't that good news? Yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus Christ is the same. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. You can count on it. They are new every morning. When you wake up in the morning, praise God. I, I, for some reason, I woke up at 5.15 in the morning and I had my alarm set for later, but I got up and opened the window curtains. Anybody see all that fog this morning? Wow, that was cool. I said, oh, man, I even went and took the dog outside. <laughs> hey, get out this. His mercies are new every morning. We should, we should wake up like that every morning. Oh, it's another day. All right, God. Thank you, Jesus. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. We have hope that the world doesn't have. Amen? We have hope 
Not only of the resurrection from the dead, not only of the inheritance with the saints of God, but we have hope that God loves us so much and is so intimately involved in our lives that every day we can count on him, that we can seek his blessing, that we can seek his favor and find it. Amen? Praise God. His mercy gives us hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, or the greatness of his mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That's why the name of our church is Living Hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, never wears out. Amen. Anybody here have to go buy new tires for your car because they wear out? Well, the kingdom of heaven, the inheritance that's waiting for us, doesn't wear out. Kept in heaven, reserved for us, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Time is running out. There is coming a day when it will all come to an end. Amen. Jesus is coming back. He promised. Hallelujah. And every day, every second, we're one day closer to being with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. And the the Spirit and the Bride say, come. And whoever hears says, come. The invitation is to everyone. In classical Greek, the word for mercy is elios. And it was used as a technical term for the end of the speech by the defense lawyer in which the accused tried to awaken the compassion of the judges. I'll read that again. In classical Greek, this word elios was used as a technical term for the end of the speech for the defense attorney in which the accused tried to awaken the compassion of the judges. They didn't have trial by jury back then. It was the judge or the king who's sitting there listening to everything. And the defense, the person who's giving his defense, appeals to the judge's sense of compassion by using this mercy, this word mercy. In the Septuagint, when they translated from the Hebrew to the Greek, this word mercy literally meant proper covenant behavior. How many know we are in a covenant with God now? The New Testament or the New Covenant. We have a relationship, we have a contract, so to speak, with God. And the word mercy indicates or emphasizes the proper covenant behavior, especially from the stronger to the weaker. How many are here stronger than God? How many here are weaker than God? Amen. That's all of us. And that covenant relationship that we have with God is from the stronger to the weaker. Hallelujah. All throughout the Old Testament there, uh, God every so often renewed the covenant with the nation of Israel. So, okay, guys, let's start again. Amen? 
How many like a fresh start? Wouldn't it be, I wonder what would happen if, if uh, we followed the law of Moses in the year of Jubilee every 50 years, all debts forgiven. <laughs> oh man, what would that do to the financial world? I'll never forget, I was visiting my folks back in New York City and my dad drove us into Manhattan to go to David Wilkerson's Times Square Church. We drive by this huge skyscraper under construction and there's a big sign out front. Permanent financing by such and such a bank in Saudi Arabia. Permanent financing. They'll never pay their house off. Permanent financing. What would the year of Jubilee do to that? Sorry, guys. <laughs> Wait. In year 49, I'll borrow a bunch of money, so in year 50, I won't have to pay it off. <laughs> That's not right. That's cheating. <laughs> but what would it do? God would have to renew the covenant every so often. It's, okay, guys, let's start over. Let's have a fresh start. Amen? What a blessing that would be for a lot of people. <laughs> Praise God. He constantly renewed the covenant. In the New Testament, Elios marks that breaking in of the divine mercy into the reality of human misery. This is from the New International Version Direct Dictionary of New Testament Theology translated from the German into the English, 1976, copyright. Amen. This New Testament marks the breaking in of the divine mercy into the reality of the human misery, which took place when Jesus came to earth and he walked the earth. To, to me, that's such an awesome thing to imagine. Jesus, God come in the flesh, came and visited and walked and talked on the earth. He healed people. He set people free. People cried out to him, have mercy on me. And what did he do? He had mercy on them. Saved, healed, and delivered folks. Hallelujah. And then he tried to set the religious people in order. Hosea chapter 61, Jesus quotes to the Pharisees. He says, come let us return to the land, to the Lord, in verse 1. And then in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus quotes it. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice and rituals and the knowledge of God or knowing God more than burnt offerings. I desire mercy, God says. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, chapter 5 of Matthew, Blessed are the merciful, they shall be shown mercy. That, what it literally means is when we're merciful to people, God will be merciful to us. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of God's mercy. Hallelujah. But he's able to supply it. He has more than enough. It's inexhaustible. Hallelujah, the riches of heaven are inexhaustible and made available to you and I through Jesus' sacrifice. I'll close with this. Imagine with me, if you will, you have some close friends, very good friends, been through a lot together. And one day you do something really bad. I remember 
Years ago, I went out to the federal prison, and me and another fellow, we were preaching, and I'll never forget the beginning of the service. I was playing the guitar, leading in worship, and I said, we came out to lift up the name of Jesus. Thank God that we deserved the death penalty, but Jesus paid the price. And in the back of the room, I saw one of the inmates, when I said, we deserve the death penalty, it was like somebody slapped him, and he went like that. And at the end of the service, he gave his life to Jesus because he understood his sinfulness was deserving of death. Man, so imagine if you will, you've done something really bad, deserving of death, and the cops come to arrest you. But instead, they arrest your best friend. Wait, 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 wait. And they beat the daylights out of him. They beat the daylights out of him almost kill him. Then they drag him off to the court. They put him on trial and they mock him. They slap him around. And then the crowd says, kill him, kill him, get rid of him. And you watch as your friend, all bloodied and beaten, is given a telephone pole, basically, to carry. And they take him out and they nail him to the pole. And they stick it in the ground. And you stand and watch your friend die in your place. And you know that you should be there. What do you do? You can't do anything. That's what Jesus did for you and I. Your best friend took your place and my place. And he paid the price. He bled to death. Suffocated to death. Nails in his hands and his feet. A spear in his side. But the good news is, they buried him, and three days later, he walked out of the tomb. Ha ha, you guys can't keep me down. (laughs) You guys want to fight, huh? Ah, Three days later, he came out of the grave, and he comes to your house. Hi, guys. How can you come to my house? I betrayed you. I still love you. That awesome. That's the story of Jesus. Your best friend took your place, and then he comes back to the life, and he comes to visit. And now, by his spirit, the Bible says his Holy Spirit dwells in us and lives in us. I don't understand it completely, but I sure am glad he did that. Because without him, there's no hope. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's close in prayer this morning. Bow our heads, close our eyes. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.